0: Oh, glad you are here today. Whether you're here uh, in person or whether you're here online, I have to tell you, I've gotten a couple of emails during the last couple of weeks of people in other parts of the world saying how much they have been encouraged by what we are doing here because we are online now. And so, uh, don't ever think just because we are a smaller church that God can't use us in a powerful way. I believe God is using the church at this time because we've had to go to some online things to do some incredible things for him. And so praise God for using South Oaks Church in parts of other parts of the world to encourage and inspire and, and edify and disciple other believers. Praise God. Amen. Today we continue with our series in Romans. Uh, One more message after today, and then we we finish up. Uh, Pastor Steve is so good, he's going to handle the last two chapters. Uh, And so I can only handle one today, I'm afraid. It's a a really powerful message. And uh, back in 1964, I don't know if anyone remembers this. uh, I don't know if anyone's old enough. There was a new band from England that came to the United States called the Beatles. And they had long hair. Remember, they had long hair. At least that's what the older adults thought. So, Steve, would you refresh our memory? Uh, you know, well, back when they came, my hair is about the length you were supposed to have it, which was, like, non-existent. So these guys' hair looked really, really long. So we might laugh at the fact that this is uh, looking like it was long hair right i mean (laughs) look at that now it looks like normal right compared to buzz cuts at that time though because people would really buzz their hair it was kind of long and so uh but to haircuts today kind of normal right wouldn't you say unless you're doing the buzz cut today too but churches at that time gave young Uh, people the idea that to have your hair like that, to look like that, was what? Kind of worldly. Yeah, and no Christian boy would really want to wear their hair like that. At least that's what they thought. So it's a type of issue like that that we're looking at today. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14, Uh, we're going to look at Romans 14 in the New Testament and see what what this passage has to say to the church at Rome, but also to us today. So, Romans 14, starting at verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable manners. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to the Lord. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourself alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Okay, so what this passage starts out telling us is that we need to accept the one who is weak in their faith. And that Greek word here for accept means welcome. And so what he's saying is just welcome that person. Make them feel comfortable. When you welcome someone, you draw them in, you make them feel comfortable. He's saying don't quarrel with them. Don't get into a dispute. Don't pass judgment on them. So when I talk about that, when the scripture here mentions that about a person weak in their faith, group question, what kind of person is weak in their faith? Maybe a new believer. Anybody else besides a new believer who weaken their faith ever? Maybe someone who's kind of like always sensitive about different um, topics of matter of faith. they kind of like very sensitive because they, they fear of um, kind of like opening up because they fear they might end up Someone who may be sensitive about their faith because they fear they might lose their faith? Yeah. I think it could be anyone at any time, depending on the issue. Time, on the issue. Okay. Yeah, these are all good answers. Someone who is weak in their faith means someone who's, like Jacques was talking about, means someone who is maybe doubtful. Uh, about what's lawful and unlawful for their faith, uh, the things they should and shouldn't do. It can be someone who has been a follower of Jesus for some time. In certain areas, they may not really know what the leading of God is, and they haven't really decided uh, what God is telling them. And so in that area, they might be weak in their faith, and it's not just a new believer. Maybe someone who hasn't really studied the word. Someone maybe made a decision and never had the benefit of someone working with them, discipling them to understand the scriptures. Someone who is weak in their faith just doesn't really understand what is lawful and and not lawful for them. So there's two examples of this problem here. And what we're talking about today, these are not moral issues because the Bible is clear on moral issues what right and wrong is. It's not like... I get to decide and you get to decide something different about what the Word of God says. The Word of God says it, it's a moral issue, that means we don't do that, or we do that, whatever God's Word is telling us we should or shouldn't do. Uh, These are not the things, what Paul is talking about here, are not things that Scripture is clear on. And the first area that he deals with is eating. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, Another person who has weak faith, he says, eats only vegetables. And what this stemmed from was that the meat that was sold in markets could potentially be a portion of what had been offered to idols. And people thought, well, that wasn't allowed. You can't eat meat that's offered to idols. And when the meat was offered to idols, there was a small portion kept for the idol, and the rest was then sent to the market, and it was sold along with other meat in the market. So because they were unsure of what meat was which, they wouldn't eat. They wouldn't touch the meat, even though you really couldn't tell what meat was what. If you're the one that feels that you can eat anything, this passage says, don't despise or have contempt on those who don't feel that way, who don't want to eat it. These people realized that the meat in and of itself wasn't bad. Even if it had been offered to idols, those idols didn't have any power over that meat. It hadn't changed the meat. They could pray over that food and eat it with no concern. So the passage says, don't think less, though, of the person because they think you shouldn't eat everything. If this person thinks, I can't, I can't take that chance, I just don't feel right about it, don't view them with contempt. In other words, don't think, what an immature person. Don't be thinking that and don't talk about them like they're somehow less than you in your faith. Don't find them annoying or irritating because they won't eat the meat. So if you feel that you shouldn't eat everything, there are some foods that you feel are wrong to eat. Don't judge those who eat that food. Don't look at your brother or sister in the Lord and think they are sinful because they feel they can eat it. According to the scripture, it all gets down to judging. And the fact that you can't judge another person's servant, as Paul says. You can't judge those who are God's servants. You can't determine what's right or wrong for another believer. And this is so much more than just this this issue of eating meat. In the areas the Bible doesn't speak about, you can't judge if that's right or wrong for someone else. That means those areas that are not morally wrong. I want to make sure we understand there are moral things that we just don't do uh, because they're immoral to do it. Um, But he's not talking about this. He's talking about the areas that God's word doesn't necessarily say anything about it. And he says to his, his master he stands or falls. And what he means by that is you either stand fast, you don't sin, or you fall under condemnation. But it's your master you answer to, not other believers. The next example he gives is that of observing religious holy days. He says one person considers certain days are more sacred than others. These are these high holy days in the calendar. But the other person treats all days alike. And that doesn't mean that the person isn't observing these days. He just regards all days as being from the Lord. And so to this person, one day isn't like this super day compared to another. They're all from the Lord. We celebrate all of them. We celebrate the holiday, but we don't regard it as so much above the other. That's what this other person is like. So here's the problem, and where it came from, no doubt, is that some people felt that some of the holidays you know, those were part of that Jewish faith before Jesus, and so maybe they don't need to celebrate them in the same way now. And others felt, no, we still have to do everything according to the law. We still have to honor each of these days exactly as we did before. Paul says each person should be fully convinced. They should be fully persuaded. They should be assured in their minds by God and they needed to have taken it before the Lord and gotten assurance from the Holy Spirit on the issue. Our actions and our choices, Paul says, are to be unto the Lord. So what does that mean if you're doing something unto the Lord? We're Doing it for him. Doing it for him. Bringing honor to the Lord, yeah. And so Paul says, if you regard one day more sacred than another, do it unto the Lord. Give honor and glory to him. Do it for him. If you eat meat, do it to the Lord and give thanks. If you abstain from meat, do it to the Lord and give thanks. Whatever you do, it is to honor God, to be obedient to his leading, and to be accountable to God. And thank him for it. He says, none of us lives or dies for ourselves. Our actions affect other people. And so we need to live for the Lord and die for the Lord. We are the Lord's. We belong to him. So, question here, if we realize that we belong to the Lord Jesus and we live and we die for him, how should that impact our lives? Everything we do, we do for Him, yeah. We have a higher standard, right? It's not just living life and doing it and, you know, coming on Sunday and giving a little thanks and going home and living life like normal the rest of the time the, the world lives. No, we have a higher standard because we are belonging to the Lord. We have, have a, to be careful how we live. We need to make sure that what we do is honoring the Lord Jesus Christ and that we're obedient to his leading in our lives. So now let's read the rest of the chapter and see what Paul tells us. Starting at verse 9. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything... That does not come from faith is sin. So he says Jesus died and returned to life to be Lord of all. The dead and the living, he's Lord of all. He's the, the one that we need to talk to, to pray to, and ask for guidance and wisdom. If Jesus is the Lord of everybody, so everybody here, Jesus is the Lord of your life. And if Jesus is the Lord, your Lord, my Lord. What about judging our brothers and sisters? Uh, What about looking down on them about a choice they made? We shouldn't do it, right? Since Jesus is Lord of all, he says he's going to direct our brother or sister. We don't need to judge them. In fact, we shouldn't judge them. Since Jesus is Lord of both the living and the dead, who are we then to pass judgment on somebody else? Someday we will all stand before the judgment seat, it tells us here. And that word used here in this passage is Bema, the judgment seat for the believers. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it talks about this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat, the Bema seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. It talks more about this in another passage. It talks about like everything we did that we did for ourselves is just going to burn up. Only the things that we've done for Jesus Christ, the things that he has led us to do, the things that are for his honor and glory, those are the things that we receive reward for. God will judge the person, not us. That's who we all must answer to, not to each other. I've heard before someone say we play to an audience of one, meaning what we do in life isn't for everyone else out here. It's for the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the areas that the scripture isn't clear on, you know, have you ever had a thing you wondered, I wonder what the Bible says about this and you really can't find an answer? So what are you supposed to do then? If it's not a moral issue, it's not morally wrong to do that thing, then what we do is we seek clarity from the Holy Spirit. God's Word says in Isaiah 11.2 that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. It's talking about Jesus here, the Messiah. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And just like the Holy Spirit was on Jesus Christ, The Holy Spirit can be on us. The Holy Spirit can empower us, and he will show us the way to go, give us wisdom and understanding, counsel, might and knowledge. The Holy Spirit can rest on us when we're seeking to serve the Lord Jesus Christ when we ask for that. When we pray and say, Lord God, give me that power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, saturate me with the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can have wisdom. I can have understanding on this issue. Give me the clarity I need on this. Paul tells us that someday we're going to all stand before the throne of God. And someday every knee will bow, he says, and every tongue confess to God. Philippians 2:10 and 11 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue will praise him. Whether they follow Jesus Christ or not, everyone will come before the throne of God and they will see that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And every tongue of every person ever will praise him. Some reluctantly and some with praise and adoration like us who follow him. And they will acknowledge him as Savior and Lord. Each of us will give an account of ourselves, how obedient we were to the leading of Jesus in our life. And how did we show God's love to others? And was there anything that put a stumbling block or an obstacle in our brother's way that caused them to stumble in their faith? Think about it. we Will each come before the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, our creator, the powerful God, and tell him what we did with our lives and what we did for him. Paul says, so therefore, in verse 13, because of our appearance before that judgment throne, therefore, stop passing judgment on each other. Make up your mind, he says. And that Greek word there, make up your mind, it can can also mean determine. He's saying that that same root word there, to judge um, and to determine, are the same root. So what he's saying, instead of judging your brother and sister in the Lord, judge or determine for yourself in your life what you are to do. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a court case. Pick out the right from the wrong for you. Separate the grain from the chaff. And don't put a stumbling block or something that causes someone to fall. Or an obstacle, a snare, or a cause of ruin for your brother or sister. Verse 14, Paul tells us that he is in the Lord Jesus. And what that means is he's an obedient follower of Jesus Christ. And he feels like as he's saying this, that he has the leading and guiding of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm convinced no food is unclean of itself. These are not salvation issues he's talking about. These are not moral issues he's talking about. This has to do with your personal relationship with God and what Jesus is leading you to do. And he's saying, even though of itself it's not unclean, if you feel it's unclean, if you feel this is something you should not do, then don't you do it. That's the leading of God in your life because it's unclean. But don't pass judgment on somebody else who doesn't feel the same way. For what reason would this happen? That God might lead somebody to think of something as unclean that somebody else might think of as clean. It's not, like I said, a salvation or moral issue. Why would God maybe lead you to not do something? What do you think? somebody came from a pagan uh, society where there was lots of meat, for example, being offered to idols and they had been part of that and now they have repented of that.
1: If they see somebody else
0: who is freely eating meat, uh, that could be a stumbling block for them. They might decide not to do it for themselves because they maybe come from a background where that was part of their background that was not following Christ and for them it feels like sin so they don't want to do it. I think because the Bible says that we all have a, God gave us a, a different measure of faith so I think it's based on that because certain folks because of the kind of faith they receive from God because God gave gift but not the same so I think Based on that because um for somebody they're based on their faith they may look upon that and stumble because mm-hmm. the only amount of faith they're being given. God has given us each a certain measure of faith and because of that um that person's faith might look at that as something that would cause them to stumble. Yeah. So if you're talking to somebody else who's from a different background, a different faith, maybe that would be something that you shouldn't dwell on then and you should talk about the other things. Yeah. Um, Here's another way we can understand this. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, sometimes God might have, tell you that's not for you. That's not good for you. And yet for other people, it's fine. Um, it's not part of his plan for your life. It's not what he wants you to do, to use you to share with other people, to lead other people to find Jesus Christ as their Lord. That's not good for you to do. And so for you to do it would not be right. For example, there was one time when in my uh, past life here uh, that I was a worship leader for a while. And uh, it's funny how things come around. But at that time, I felt like I had a choice between being a worship leader, being part of the choir, being part of that at church, or being part of the ministry that God was calling me to, to preach the word. And I felt God say, You need to lay that down for now. I need you to lay that down. Okay, for me, if I had continued to try and do both, continued to try to lead worship, that would have not been the thing for me. God said, for you right now, that's not for you. So that's not clean for you. That is unclean for you to do that. I would be sinful, get it? It's not a sin to lead worship. It's wonderful to lead worship. I still worshiped, but I didn't lead worship. And so what that was was a hindrance for me. Had I continued to do it, it would have been a hindrance. Sometimes God says, don't do something because that's not part of my plan for your life. God asks us to lay things down and to not be obedient to that would be to have something in our lives that is not clean for us. It's a hindrance. It's a stumbling block for us personally. But then there's some things, not like that, but on other issues that maybe it would cause a distress to somebody else. If we're doing a certain thing, behaving a way, saying certain things, whatever it is. It would cause our brother or sister to be distressed. And when you look at that word that he used in Romans, it's more than just I'm unhappy. It's grieved, in pain. So if this person is grieved or in pain because of what you're doing, you're no longer acting in love if you do it. I don't want to do things, and I know you don't want to do things, that cause pain for others in their walk with God especially if this is a case on some kind of issue like Paul is describing here, and I think he picked some issues that are kind of like basic things. There's probably way more stuff that he could mention to them, but he's saying, you know, it's eating and drinking stuff. I mean, honestly, you know, it's not the loving thing to do to allow your brother or sister to feel this deep pain because they think you're sinning. They think you're, living the, you're doing the wrong thing and you're a follower of Christ and you're causing them to be tempted too. He said, isn't it the loving thing to do the better thing to not do that? To be willing to lay that down for the sake of the kingdom of God. And then in verse 13 he says, don't let whatever you're doing, whether you're eating or drinking, Whatever you eat or drink, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Don't let it destroy your brother or sister for whom Christ has died. And he's talking about permanent destruction here when you look at that original Greek word. He's not talking about like they're having a really bad week. He's talking about it can cause them to walk away from their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we not want to do the loving thing and not have anything in our lives that would cause people to stumble in that way? Just because you feel right about something doesn't mean you should go out there and do it and flaunt it. If it causes someone else to doubt their faith or go against what God has led them to do, it causes them to sin. We need to see that there can be eternal consequences for how we live and what we do that can affect other people in such a profound way. As it says in verse seven, no one lives to themselves alone. Life is so much more than just self-satisfaction, isn't it? What we eat or drink, we need to lift up our eyes above all the stuff down here and see the bigger picture Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and serve him. You might be saying, yes, but I should be able to do this. There's nothing wrong with this. Paul said nothing's unclean in itself. I I should be able to do this. They should just get over it. Don't let what you consider as good be spoken of as evil. God's kingdom... In verse 16, he says, God's kingdom, it's not a matter of eating or drinking. These are not the issues we want to focus on. I mean, life, is the kingdom of God is so much bigger. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, And all these things will be given to you as well. That's what we want to focus on, God's kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus said that the important things to go after were that. The Holy Spirit here is the key in these issues we're talking about today. The Holy Spirit's the key to knowing how we should be living our lives for righteousness, for peace and joy. And anyone who serves Jesus Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved or respected by men. When we live clean lives, careful to not do things that hinder others. When we're pleasing to God, we have that side benefit of being at peace as much as possible with those around us. Based on that principle, we're going to make every effort. We're going to pursue things that lead to peace. And that word peace in the Greek means wholeness or welfare. Not just peace like nothing chaotic happening, but wholeness and welfare. We want to pursue that. And mutual edification. That means we build each other up to be suitable dwelling places for the Spirit of God. God in us the big picture for why we care about how we live. Even if we're free to do something, we don't do anything that would destroy another follower of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, he says, don't destroy, don't tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, ceremonially uncontaminated but it is wrong for anyone to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Better not do it than to cause a brother or sister in Jesus Christ to fall and to be led into sin. Verse 22, he says, whatever you believe about what you can eat or drink, or how to celebrate holidays, he says, keep that between yourself and God. So if you really believe that You know, others around you are are thinking, this is unclean, and you have been led by the Holy Spirit to think that it's not. He's saying, keep that between yourself and God. So this obviously was an issue because of the culture that they were in, and it could have derailed this church in Rome if people were not seeking God on this. And Paul's encouraging them how to handle it and how to have this principle to know how to handle all these differences that come up. The one who doubts, he says in verse 22, verse 23, the one who doubts, and that doubt means hesitate. In other words, if I'm hesitating whether or not I should do it, I'm I'm doubting whether or not I should do it. If I'm not sure I can do it, then don't do it. Everything, he says, because everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Now, what is the principle here? What in the widest application for us? It's so much more than what we eat or drink. If something is forbidden in the scripture, we don't do it. And if something is an extension of a forbidden practice, we don't do that either. But if something is not addressed in the Word of God, and as we pray, it seems okay, we listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, out of love, we realize that each of us come from different backgrounds, from different strengths and weaknesses. We're all different. Activities in themselves may or may not be bad, may not be harmful, but if they could become a temptation for others, we need to seek God and get his understanding on this. We don't want to be an obstacle for someone else's faith. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.12, I have the right to do everything, you say. I have the right to do anything, you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I won't be mastered by anything. So everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And so... What about this for us today? Is there a parallel for us today? Well, the key here is the next verse uh, 1 of chapter 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. It's a selfless way to act. It's a way of putting others before yourself. It's a way of listening to God and showing his love to others that we need as the key as we live our life. So, can I do that? Can I do that thing? Can I do that? Can I do that? First, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit's leading. And second, we need to be willing to lay down anything that hinders either us or someone else. And third, we need to let God judge others, not us judge others. So would you stand with me as we close? Just ask you to stand and just bow your head. And maybe while we've been reading and discussing this passage, a behavior or an activity or something you felt okay doing before has come to your mind. And will you seek the Holy Spirit's guidance on this? Will you ask God if you should lay that down? If you want to commit to Jesus Christ, to doing things out of faith, to follow him, to live in a way that honors him and builds up your brothers and sisters in faith, not to just do things that are permissible, but also things that are beneficial. If you're willing to let the Holy Spirit speak to you on this, to understand what God's will for you on this is, just raise your hand. Thank you. Maybe you've taken offense at someone else who's doing something you don't think they should do, but it's not in the Word of God about it. And you've judged them, but you want to get right with God. You're willing to give that offense to Jesus. You know, forgiveness is the highest form of spiritual warfare. You want to turn it over to Jesus and pray for God's best for that person and for yourself. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you for this passage. And we know, Lord, it means so much more than about meat or holidays. Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is so much more than what we eat or drink. It's about righteousness. It's about peace and joy. Lord God, I pray that we would use the example that Paul gives of being willing to lay things down that you call us to lay down. Lord God, that we would want to do things out of love. Father, that we would seek your wisdom and your guidance on things and that we would be faithful to follow you. Father, let us not judge others. Father, I pray that you give us your love and your peace. Help us, Father, to lay down everything at the foot of the cross and be willing, Father, to let you show us the way. Father, we pray that our our, uh, church would be a place of love of mutual edification and of peace, as Paul describes here. We just thank you, Father, for the work you're doing here in our hearts and in our lives. We pray, Father, that all around the world, you would be calling the church to you, that we would see this as a time that we need to be willing to put stuff aside to follow you. Lord, we don't want any sins, but we don't want any hindrances holding us back. Help us, Lord, to do what we've been called to do at this time and in this place. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name, amen.